welcome to another teaching by 119 Ministries. Our ministry teaches that the whole Bible is still true and directly relevant in our lives. If you would like to know more on what we believe and teach, please visit us at testeverything.net. We hope that you enjoy studying and testing the following teaching. God is good all the time. All the time. All Amen. You know, it's funny because have you noticed how we all, the first night, we're all prompted at one time. Now, well, we'll get there. Where do we get there? In Costa Rica, we call that Pura Vida, baby. So, with that in mind, excuse me. I'm going to do this in a video that everyone wanted me to do. I'll run. Yeah, and so what I want you to do though, again, like we just said, we're all more relaxed now. We're all like chilling out, having fun. <clears throat> Let's backtrack. That's right. Well, let's just not forget what the video is about. Again, Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And the point we want to stress here is surrounded by the cloud of witnesses, remembering that all those who have gone on before from the time of Adam to the most recent who have just gone on, just imagine if your mind, in your mind, all of those saints up in the clouds or the grandstands of the stadium, if you will, cheering us on, saying, we did it, you can too. So use that imagination as you watch this video. And remember, you're going to see Moses do the wave. Because <laughs> he's up in the grandstands. And so all I ask is to be a little pure of you tonight and maybe join him in the wave. Just a thought. You don't have to, but just a thought.
Pastor Steve down in Brampton a while ago, and, and we visit a church, Lisa, uh, she, she invited us, and uh, we had a question and answer uh, our, over there. And uh, I, there were some situations in this question uh, and answer hour which we didn't appreciate too much, okay? So I figured, I talked to you about communication last night, I want to communicate to you how we're going to do that tonight, okay? I want to make sure that we are on one page and that we understand what we're going to do, okay? And in order to do that, I would like to read a few scriptures with you. And I would like to establish some points, okay? The first one we find in 2 Thessalonians 2.10. 2 Thessalonians 2.10 says, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. So to me, I don't know about you, I'm just reading it, to me it looks like there's two kind of people. The one, they love the truth, and the other one, they don't. Okay? Now, the one who loves the truth are his people, and the other one are not. Okay? And, uh, and that is why we want to keep in mind tonight that we are um, aiming for the truth. You know, we want to make sure that we are as truthful as possible. Okay? <clears throat> as truthful as possible. First uh, Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. Uh, 2 and 3, and if any man think that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. Let, let me repeat this. And if any man think that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. So we just have to be careful with, with our knowledge, what we think we know, because we are humans. Everybody in here knows something, and we are all part of one big puzzle, okay? So if we hang ourselves as too much out of the window, it might be that we fall out, all right? You get the point? So we have to be really, really careful, and, you know, God might need some time in some person's life to get them where they have to be, or they, to get this person where you think they should be, you know, maybe God thinks something else, I don't know, but... We have to be very careful, um, and we want to be loving and kind and in truth, okay? <clears throat> uh, what is truth? John 17, 17. Um, John 17, 17 says, what does it say? Let's see, here we go. Yeah, that's right. That's a high priestly prayer of Yeshua. And it says, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. You got the point? First uh, Corinthians 4.2 And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that ye might learn in us not to think of man above that which is written. 
that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. This is what we don't want, that somebody thinks he's bigger than somebody else. Okay, we do not want anybody being puffed up against each other. It's not productive, okay? Does it make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. You have to help me. I need your, I, I need your, your face again. Okay? Otherwise, I, I, I don't feel comfortable. So, so we, really, we really need to, to make sure that we don't want to hurt somebody. You know, we want to hear people out and we, this is not an open Bible study. You know, we have questions to help each other and uh, Steve will make the decision uh, about the answers. Okay, and, uh, and we have situations where, where we, want to f we want to know that we are all in a different spot at the journey, okay? And we don't want a high-end Bible discussion about the 144,000, what they're doing between the 5th and the 6th chapter in Revelation. You know, okay. can I say something to that? Sure. Having said that, um, here's a question I'd like to ask. How many has been, let's just say, pursuing Torah for now longer than 10 years? Okay, good, good. How many has been pursuing Torah longer than 5 years? Good, good. How many has been pursuing Torah more than two years? How many has been pursuing Torah more than this last week you're looking into it on? There you go. Uh, for under for under two years? Okay, we have several who are new and want to check things out. So my point in case is what George just said, we're all at different levels already. I mean just look at the history and so and with that in mind, don't be mindful of the audience that we have. You know, and something I was going to say might be cutting into your speech, so I forgive if I am. Uh, we don't want this to be an open-air Bible study. Because what will happen is, I give an answer maybe, or, or what I think is the truth. And then so it's, but what about this? Well, then it goes back and forth on that one topic, and this person over here who's got a question, and then they're missing out on all this time. So, and it's okay to agree to disagree. Can we agree to that? Okay. I really, because, I mean... Like I said, I give you that illustration, and you know, with the, the square or the circle, they're both right, you know? So there's elements that we're not going to know. <clears throat> and I can tell you right now, if I don't know the answer, my answer will be, I don't know. And I have no problem saying that, because I've been scratching my head more than you probably, <laughs> as you can tell, and so I have no problem saying I don't know. So, but, but I guess the thing is, let's just remember we're all at different levels in this very room right here. We're not all college grade, whatever. You know, we're all from kindergarten to whatever. That's us. Yeah. We're the body. Amen. Okay. Okay, and we don't want to go beyond scripture. You know, we cannot go beyond scripture. There's a, and it, I love it to sit down with Steve and other people and we discuss the possibilities and what is plausible and what this is and this. And that's fun. That's really fun. But we have to make a clear distinction. What is written and what is not written. Okay? And we don't want to uh, confuse anybody more than we are confused anyway. You know, that doesn't have anybody. Having said that, I uh, raised six children, and sometimes in our household, especially when we have friends over, you know, children kind of like, uh, they're getting um, getting over the top, you know, I mean, they really get going, right? And then uh, foolishness sets in, you know, I mean, you had this happen maybe in your life uh, with children. I want to make sure that we know that foolishness is not godliness, okay? And I would like to read two scriptures for this, and that's a uh, 
Um, Proverbs 15, 2. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright, but the mouth of the fools pours out foolishness. And 14 says, the heart of him that has understanding seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of the fools feedeth on foolishness. Uh, I'm not against laughing. Don't get me wrong, okay? I'm just thinking if we discuss something, what somebody has to ask, you know, then that's a serious matter. And that's the way we should treat it. Okay, so that everybody feels comfortable and respected that we do what we do. Now, we had some, Lisa, you you, you, you know what I'm talking about? We had yeah, some... And, and just, I, I addressed that with that particular person yeah. because me and myself, I was quite... Taken aback by that yeah. at first, and um, it's been addressed. Yeah. It has been. So, uh, so I, I just want to level the playing field, that, that we know where we're coming from, okay? And, and that, that's what we want to do, and that we are one-minded on that. So, uh, we want to do that in, in love and in truth and in, in, in knowledge, you know, and try to really help people to, to get a, a clear picture of what's going on, you know? I personally think, somebody asked me today what was my story and you know how I get to the point where I am, uh, to make it short, I, uh, I'm convinced that the truth, even though going to church when I was young, was stolen from us by just teaching us the uh, major part, the most important part of scripture is uh, basically unvalid, you know, I mean it's, it's basically not, not valid anymore. and. Uh, and uh, that was a big learning curve to get back to that, you know, and find out what's going on, okay? So there's a lot of confusion out there, and we want to try to uh, help people to see clearly. Any questions to that? No? Good. All right. Then let's start. Amen. Who has a question? <laughs> we have one. Uh, someone gave me one. Uh, where's, where's he at? <clears throat> There is. Okay. Uh, the question was, uh, how do you know that Yeshua of Nazareth is the Messiah? So a couple of verses we can look here. Looking here, I'm going to give you... Here's one. John 4. This is uh, Yeshua with uh, the lady at the woman of the well. Okay. And the lady, this is after Yeshua, gives basically her whole history. Okay. Tells everything about her. The woman responds. The woman says, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Next verse. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. So do we trust the words of Yeshua? I do. Okay. So from his own mouth, he says, I am the Messiah. Another one. Um, this is Matthew 26. This is when Yeshua is at his trial. Mock trial, mind you. And verse 63, but Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us, are you the Christ? Which means Messiah, according to the last verse we just read. The Son of God. Verse, next verse says, yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of God, the Mighty One, and coming on the clouds of heaven. So he, from his own mouth, he says that. He is. Interestingly enough, if I can read the next verse. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, he has spoken blasphemy. The mere fact that the high priest tore his clothes, he's sinning. If you read the Torah, the high priest does not tear the clothing 
of the high priest. He's sin at that very moment. So anyway, something to think about. So hopefully I've given you a few verses to consider with that. Okay? Good. Any questions? Yes? Uh, my question is, uh, when you start getting into the talk, like I did, I just got into the job within the last two years where I did not go back into the church because every time I went back to the church and mentioned that we have learned something about the Torah, you're in a cult. Right. Okay. My question is how to address other people about the danger there is until you're totally rooted into the Torah. And once you know that the Torah is the only way to go. Okay. Mm -hmm. How to address them to show them that it's not good to go back to keeping the door on Saturday and on Sunday go listen to ten different preachers and they want to keep their congregation in their churches and they don't want to deal with the door. So if I can make sure I'm understanding your question. Your question is how do we Talk to people, address people who are still in the church, if you and, will, or? And, yeah, they're, they're in and out. In and out. In and out. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. And they don't really want it because they have family or they have brothers and sisters. Right. Or they keep Christmas or uh, Easter or whatever. Right. Uh, show them the, what we could tell them, the danger there is there. Right. Um, well, I know I've seen several people who have come to the understanding that the law is still for today, the Torah. And at the same time, let's face facts. I've talked to many of you. You go, there's no one where I live. We're all out there by ourselves. You know, we're all scattered all over, if you will. So fellowship is hard to find, you know. And I know there's some people who will go, excuse me, <clears throat> to the old Sunday morning services just for the fellowship, just because it's, they, these are people who are pursuing the Father on their understanding. Okay, granted, at this moment, um, they don't understand Torah. Okay, and one of two things, they're either rejecting it, or they just haven't come to the understanding of it yet. Okay, and for that, I would encourage you to watch our teaching, The Least, The, grace, and the, the Greatest, and The Defined, showing there's three categories that all of us are going to fall under. Either you are pursuing Torah, either you are ignorant of Torah, or you are rebelling against Torah. <clears throat> the least, the greatest, and the defined. Okay, so that's all of us. When it all boils down to it, we will all fall into one of those categories. Numbers 15 discusses that as well, and I discussed that in that teaching. Um, as far as, you know, how do you, you know, address someone, if they're needing that fellowship, you know, I'm not in their shoes. I'm not going to judge them. They really need to have someone to discuss with and talk with. Lord willing, the follower, use them as a light, okay, to that fellowship. I know whenever I came to it, I had to get out of Dodge as soon as possible. You know, we stayed as long as we could, and I think two or three months was all I could handle. You know, and, um, and then I was, of course, the outcast. I was a black sheep, hanging drugs in the mud. You name it, it's all there. It's all good. You know, um, but now if someone is saying they're living Torah, or at least pursuing Torah, um, but yet at the same time, they say Christmas is okay, Easter is okay. Well, then I'm gonna I'm gonna question you. Are you pursuing Torah? Torah, you know, because if you're pursuing Torah and you just wanna fellowship with other people, okay, that's cool. I can give you that to a degree. But if you're gonna say you're in you're pursuing Torah, but then it's okay to celebrate Christmas, well, the Torah says you can't. Okay, 
So um, that's and that's my opinion, and I'm just giving you what I think it says. So I would encourage if you're if someone, I would encourage them. Like you know, if you're saying you're doing this, let's let's because the body says to judge one another. You know, you know. In, in reality, Paul says it over and over and over again, and the, the judgment at least to be judged is taken out of context. Okay, we can discuss that. That's a long discussion. Okay, but the thing is. Um, I'm not going to fellowship with someone who's fellowshipping with the world on purpose when they know the Torah says this. If they're if they're ignorant and or they're, they're, the veil is still there, I'll give them grace because they're they're in ignorance. Or you know, I'm going to say ignorance is harsh for them to sound like that. But you know, um, does that help you any at all? Well, I I have the understanding, but I tried to explain it a few times to to people that this end. Keeping the Shabbat for at least five, six, or seven years. They know the Torah, but they're still dogmatic about it. And <laughs> well, if that's the case, right. if they're dogmatic about it, then you need to shake the dust from your feet. You're yep. giving them the truth. Yep. You know, because you're only going to be, because uh, sometimes we are, we have all been guilty one time or another to try to play the role of the Holy Spirit. Yep. You know? <laughs> and you, you tell them once. And if you need to, if you really feel the Holy Spirit telling you to tell them again, tell them again. Um, here's the thing, though. More often than not, we condemn where the Holy Spirit convicts. Okay? And so it's received as condemnation from us. When it's coming from the Holy Spirit, it'll be conviction. So pray for them. You, 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 you said your peace. Pray for them. And really, don't just say, you know, oh, pray. If the Father puts them on your heart, keep them in your heart. Pray for them continually. You know, hopefully I help you how would you respond to um, some of the church people that are going to come along and say, well, the law is dead, and it says it in 1 Corinthians and in Romans? How do you respond to that? Yeah, that's like um, huge. Here, here's a verse uh, I often use. I'll give you a couple verses. And <clears throat> we were talking just last night how somebody will bring up a verse to you, and they'll say, Look, there it is. See, it says it right there. And it'll say the law was done away with. And even as George said to me last night, we're agreeing. Like, you know, the law was done away with, but what law? If you've watched our series, the Pauline Paradox series, that John has made, one of them, I forgot which one it was, the title, I think it's the fourth one, it's called Which Law Paul? Okay? Because there was one law that was done away with the law of sin and death. That's right. Okay? And that's what we were held bondage to the curse of the law. The law of sin and death was done away with. The other laws, if you read Paul, it's all context. You know, if you're going to say this, well, he says the law was done away with. Ask him, how many laws are in the scriptures? The majority will say, well, the law of Moses, the law of God. Oh, no. You got the law of spirit, law of, law of, um, law of sin and death, law of, then it's just sin and the law of Moses, and then there's the law of Christ. There's several laws, okay? And many of them all represent one. But those one does not represent... The law of sin and death, like a promise it. And every time Paul is talking, it's the law of sin and death. But to your answer, something else to give you, some verses. Ask them, straight up. Say, do you believe in Isaiah the prophet? And his prophecies are two. 99.9% are going to say, well, of course. Okay? Well, what does he say? He says, um, the word, uh, the, the grass withers, the flowers fall. The word of our God stands forever. Okay, that's Isaiah saying, the word of our God stands forever. What was the word of God to Isaiah? What was the law? Okay, well, then you go to First Peter. Peter quotes um, that exact same scripture, and he says um, he quotes the scripture. And after he quotes it, 
he says, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not here in front of me, but he says it. He says, and this is the word that was preached to you. Whoa, wait a minute here. So this is the word that was preached to the New Testament believers. What was that? The word of God. That was that Isaiah called the word of God. Okay, and that was what? The law. So if we now say, we take the writings of Paul and say the word of the, the law, which was considered the word of God, is now done away with, we just made Isaiah a false prophet. Okay? Something to think about. And I actually have a teaching called Isaiah the False Prophet. It's just so funny because, man, we got raped over the cold by so many people. Isaiah's not a false prophet. Blah, 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 blah. And they go, did you watch the teaching? No, but blah, 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 blah. Watch the teaching. You know, it shows how he's not a false prophet, but many people... Because of their faith and their belief, it's making them out to be a false prophet. Okay. Uh, another verse you can give them is ask them to look up Matthew 4 4. It's Yeshua according to Deuteronomy. Okay. And it says, uh, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So, this is Yeshua quoting Old Testament, putting it now into the New Testament. Okay, we good with that? Yeah. Okay, so he took Torah, put it in the New Testament for us, and what did he say? Every word of God. Okay, man is not literal, but long, but every word of God. Yeshua said that. So now if we want to say, well, now, well, you can start picking words out. Well, now you just made Jesus a liar, because now it's not every word. It's either every word or it's not every word. Okay, and so here's another one, if I can give you this one. This is in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and it says, verse... 15, I'll go from there. I'll go from 14. There's like three three verses here. But as for you, continuing, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned, learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. Remember, the New Testament was not written at this time. Okay. So you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Here we go. You ready? Verse 16. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word, so I don't know how we can get around it. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful. Now, when I was when I memorized this verse, uh, I had a little um, thing I did. Now I really I still use it. To remember this verse, let me get it again. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for a trick. Ready? It's useful for a trick. T, teaching. R, rebuking. Now I'm going to do it. If I want to keep doing it. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. There's a trick that TRC is a thing thing. Teaching, rebuking, correcting. Remember that trick? You remember that verse real easy. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's what the Word of God is for. All of it. So if we're saying that this part is now done away with, then they were made Paul a liar here. And so there's lots of things. We, we just, if we can just do our best to show them Scripture is to be in harmony, all of it. And if they want to say the Word of God you know, contradicts, then that's their interpretation, and they'll stand before only God with that. And keep in mind, too, we are not called... Please remember this. You are not called to convert the world. Listen, you're not called to convert people. You're called to spread the word, to be the light. Whether they receive it or not is up to you. I mean, man, Yeshua hanging on the cross was 50-50. One guy said, and one guy said no. Okay, so if if he only got 50-50, you know, 
what are we going to get? You know what I'm saying? Okay, kind of a nice illustration there. But you know what I'm saying. But as long as we don't try to force feed people, you, you, you tell them, you pray for them, and move on. That's all we can really do. And pray that they have a genuine interest to come back. Did I help you at all on that? Okay. Yeah. Scripture, Matthew 5, 17, 17, 17, 17, 17, 17, 17. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah. You read me that offer, so you don't mind. I think everybody uses a different scripture. And that's, you know, when you're friends in, in church, I would use uh, Romans 3.31. Yeah. Should we then void the law by faith? Yeah. God forbid. forbid. We establish the law. Right. Yeah. And then you go, I mean, which part is hard to understand? Okay? <laughs> and they can tell me whatever they want. I mean, Somehow you have to put this scripture in. Mm -hmm. It's clear, and it's in the New Testament. I wouldn't talk to anybody from the Old Testament. Why should I? If I go to Israel, you know, I can leave the New Testament at home. It doesn't matter to me because everybody over there reads the Torah, or at least claims to read the Torah, so I just in Torah. If I'm over here during the summer, I read the New Testament because people read the New Testament, right? And then you go to Romans 8, 2, and it says, the righteousness of the law will be fulfilled in us if we walk by the Spirit. This is a righteousness which we, if you have just this too, you say, hey, can you explain that to me? What does it mean? It has to somehow get the connection to the other verses, right? So so somewhere there is something to, to have to be explained, right? Um, and, and everybody is somewhere else. Now, if you talk to people from church, what I do is, uh, Elisa knows that, you know, I ask them, what is Acts chapter 7 for in Scripture? Or 1 Corinthians chapter 10, you know, tells the whole story about Israel. It's in the New Testament. It's not the Old Testament. It's the New Testament. You know, had a young girl coming to me this summer, and she says, well, you know, George was a girlfriend from my daughter. She says, you know, you just don't have a clue. We are in the New Covenant, you know. You just missed the whole point. I said, well, that's really interesting. Tell me about the New Covenant. And she said, well, it's all in Hebrew 8. I said, that's great. Let's read the chapter. Well, it was just a summer day up here. We read the chapter. And, you know, it says clearly whom the covenant is made with, what the covenant is. I explained it to her. She walked out. Never said a word again. It's all in the New Testament. To stick to the New Testament, I would stick to the New Testament and just use the New Testament for people which are in church yeah. because that's what they believe that's what they claim to believe yeah. Yeah. that's what they have to come come clear with okay and if they see all this down the road they will go to the Torah by themselves they want to know what all these stories are all about and they will read it soon already Another one that a uh, teaching that we have is called narrow-minded yes if you have not seen narrow-minded uh, uh, it's one of my favorite because it talks using New Testament. What is the Word of God? What's the Word of God? And it's New Testament, and it all shows the Word of God, the Torah, in Yeshua, held it correct together, and so therefore you can't do away with, you know. And so anytime it's mentioned in there, it's that was a great one. And then another one that I get, I don't know about you or any of you guys, but. Um, a lot of people will come to us and saying, well, if you're following the law, then how come you're not stoning your children? How come you're not making sacrifices? How come you're not doing all this stuff? You know, I, hey, we get it all the time. Um, I would encourage you, if you get that, watch the teaching titled Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mo. Okay, that's, that's the teaching that will address those things. Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mo. Um, because they accuse us of picking things out and not doing it. You know, that, that teaching explains why we can't do those things today. 
and, and for, for you right now, I can give you a couple of illustrations. Let's think of when Israel was uh, captured and taken captivity to Babylon. Okay? We know the temple was destroyed. Okay? They're all taken to Babylon. That being said, were they, from the day after they're in Babylon now, were they able to make sacrifices? No. Why? Because the scripture said you can only do where he sets his name, where he set his name in the temple, okay, and that was in where? Jerusalem. They're not in Jerusalem. If you try to make a sacrifice to the Father anywhere else besides Jerusalem, you're in sin. Yeah. And besides that, if you're not of the priesthood all the more, you're in sin. Yeah. Okay? It was established. That was for the high priest and the priesthood to do that stuff. So therefore, we do not have that. We can't make the sacrifices. So that's just one illustration. But that teaching, you know, I know, discusses why we can't do that today. If we try to, you are actually sinning. You know? Um, so one other thing with, with on the same token, um, people have you know come to us and they say, well, you know, the Pharisees follow the law perfectly. Really? Try reading Mark chapter 7. Okay, but Mark, uh, in, in Mark chapter 7, Yeshua slams them. For what? Following the traditions of men and not following the word of God. Mark 7, I, I love, he does you know, and, and, and the people don't think, because I was brought up in a church where the Pharisees followed the law to the T and Yeshua came to bring, or Jesus came to bring love, you know, and that's it, you know. And so, uh, and, and they'll always use the illustration of, the woman who was caught in adultery, right? Okay, look, you see, he or she was supposed to be stoned, and he gave her love. It's all about love. It's what he came to bring forth. Now, in case you don't know, most of you are shaking your head like if you already know. This is good. For those of you who don't, if Yeshua had picked up a stone to cast it, he would have been sinning. Yes. Yeah. Okay, here's the thing. The law required, because if you read that, that section, it's John 8, if I'm not mistaken. It's where, you know, the Pharisees were setting the situation up as a trap. It even says as a trap to catch him. Well, to catch him what? Breaking the law. Okay? The law requires both the woman and the man yes. to be stoned together. Okay? They knew that. And they're trying to test him. So what did he do? He can't. He turned right around. What did he say? Well, him was all about sin. Cast the first stone. Why did he say that? Because the law requires if anyone is to die by death, the two witnesses must be two, are to grab the stone and be the first to cast the stone. Okay. And they knew that if, if those two witnesses, if they even had them there, okay, knew that if they had thrown a stone at her, they would have been sinning because the man wasn't there. Okay? So it, it wasn't about all love. No. no. It was about he was following the law to the T. Okay? Now here, here's another one. I love this. Because are you getting excited or what? <laughs> and so it's so funny because um, they'll say, uh, well, then how could Yeshua let her get away with committing adultery? Okay? Now, let me ask you this question. Ready? This blows my water. Did David commit adultery? Yeah. And they walk away. Why wasn't David killed for committing adultery? There was no witnesses, folks. But God knew, and he reaped a lot from that. So sin in your life will reap repercussions. You're going to reap repercussions from sin. Okay, you can say, well, it's just personal sin. Personal sin affects your family, affects your friends, it affects everybody around you. Okay? 
David reaped a lot from that one sin. Was he killed? No, because why? The law called for what? Two witnesses. So yeah, there are times when things will happen where it wasn't perfect, okay? By way of, because if you follow the law to the T, sure, someone will get away. Get away, okay? But God knows. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay, okay. So another one that we often receive, I'm rambling on this, was one topic. This is something a lot of people are struggling with when people come at you, you know, well, why are you following the law, blah, blah, blah. Well, here's another one. They'll say that at the time of Yeshua, they followed the law perfectly, or at least they pursued all of the law. Did you know that's wrong? Yeah. They couldn't. There was one day, one high day, they were not able to observe. Yom Kippur. Why not? The Ark of the Covenant was not there. The Ark of the Covenant was not in the temple. Remember, it was hidden a long time ago from Jeremiah back before the 70, uh, the, um, the invasion of Babylon. So when the veil ripped from top to bottom at the time of the cross, it just revealed there was nothing in there. Okay, and they knew that. But the thing of it is, what what was the high priest supposed to do? He goes in, he's got to sacrifice, he throws the blood on the altar for the forgiveness of all of Israel. It wasn't there. So what did they do? They pursued what they could. And that's what we do today. We pursue what we can. And um, another one, you know, Yeshua fulfilled all the law. He said it. Okay, well, let's not forget that same word for, for, for fulfilled is just two chapters earlier in chapter 3 when he's being baptized by John the Baptist. And John the Baptist says, you know, I should be baptizing you, you should be baptizing me. And then what did um, Jesus say? This should be done to fulfill all righteousness. The same word fulfill all righteousness is the same word fulfill the law in chapter 5. Okay? So if we're going to say the word fulfill here is to do away with abolish, then Yeshua said, well, then we got to do this to get rid of all righteousness. Does that make sense? So, no? Who said no? I'll explain it. Did someone say no? Yes. Okay, it does. Okay, it does. Okay. Um, so, um, there's lots of arguments out there. But the bottom line is the Word of God has got to be an argument. If you have one verse, and they will bring one or two or three or four verses, and you're going to go, because Paul is hard to understand. Peter said it was. Peter said it was 10,000 at the time of those writings. How much more is he hard to understand at this time? In 2 Peter chapter 3-ish, verse 15, 16, 17, where Peter says, look, the writings of Paul are hard and difficult, which unstable people distort and twist to become unrighteousness, okay? And so if they were distorting Paul's writings then, how much more so are we doing it today, you know? Um, anyway, the biggest thing is if somebody has a verse that says the law is done away with, present one verse where it says the law, anywhere in the scriptures, or even the New Testament, that contradicts that, like he says in uh, uh, Romans 3.31, well now, they've got the contradiction, okay, they've got to deal with it, okay, and so, because I know that this, Romans 3.31, and all the other ones that we mentioned, is in harmony with what, the original word of God, okay, and so, they're going to have a harder time. If that helps me at all. I'm kind of, I really ramble on that a lot. I apologize. I doubt that you remember all what he says, but yeah. You can try. <laughs> yes? Uh, it was a question my mom brought up to me and her bring up here. Uh, when they pierced Yeshua's side, they said that blood and water poured out. Correct. Is there a specific reason why they said, it said both? I've heard lots of theories on it as to reason why. 
I don't know, but it does say the blood of water flow. But the thing is, if you watch our teaching titled Nailed to the Cross, I go into that and showing how his lungs fill up with fluids. And that's how he actually almost was suffocating, is what he was doing. Because um, tradition shows, have you anyone seen that Nailed to the Cross teaching? It shows how the um, Numbers 5 is fulfilled by the cross. I mean, I encourage you, please watch that teaching, Nailed to the Cross. It will open, I was, ain't, of course, I don't know where Angie's at, but I was so tickled pink as I'm doing that study on that. I'm going, you got to check this out, you got to check this out. Oh my gosh, you got to watch this out. I was like, I was getting a new revelation and it just freaked me out. And I'm going, this is why. Well, and this is why this. Oh my goodness. You know, is this, so please watch that teaching, Nailed to the Cross. I, I loved it because, um, it just explains lots of things, and that was one of them. So that teaching will help you a lot. Okay. Okay. Uh huh. Yes. Last night you referred to a number, one thousand two hundred and sixty. Yes. Can you explain what you're referring to? Well, that's the beginning of the Antichrist rule. The Antichrist is said to rule for one thousand two hundred and sixty days. Okay. And um, that's that is also equated as forty-two months or time times and a half a time. And so when the Antichrist starts to rule. You can do the countdown to the day of Yeshua's return. Now all of a sudden going to say, wait a minute, Steve, no man knows near the hour. To that, I simply ask, please watch the teaching, um, testing the preacher of rapture. I address every single element. I was, I was brought up in Assembly God Church, where they was, this, you know, very much pre-trip. And I was pre-trip for a long time. By my senior year in high school, I started asking questions and started getting, you know, the, well, this is that, this is that, and the other. But I felt like it was just, you know, I was being pushed to the side. And um, so for the last, I'll say, 25, 26, 27 years, I've been the black sheep of the family. I was the, you know, the poster, you know, because I couldn't find anyone to prove to me a preacher of rapture. And everything kept pointing to me against it. And uh, one thing is, if you go to the uh, seven churches, and I'm in chapter two, I can't remember what church it is, but um, it's one of the churches, and he says, if you do not wake up, I will come, and you will not know what day. Okay? So, meaning what? If you do wake up, you're going to know. Second Thessalonians chapter two says, you are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief in the night. The thief of the night comes to those who are not living. Okay? So right now, we're doing what? We're celebrating the Feast of Sukkot. We, we do our best to pursue these holidays. Because why? We know the spring feast represented everything in the, in the, what, as his first coming. He died on the very day of Passover. He rose on the very day of first fruits. He brought the Holy Spirit down on the very day of Pentecost. The same day. So should we not expect something on the fall feast days at his return? So, therefore, we are not in darkness. This day will not surprise us like a thief. So there's lots and lots of stuff in that teaching on testing the preacher of rapture. And we go into a lot of detail. So I would really encourage you to watch that teaching. It's kind of a long one, but it'll explain a lot. But the 1260 is a lot of things people bring up in Daniel. You've got the 1260 is mentioned, 1290, okay, is mentioned, and 1335 which people have been scratching their heads on for a lot. And um, please watch our teaching simply titled um, Confirming the Covenant. I go into that. Because uh, I think it was you who asked me, because you, you said, um, I think it was you, I figure it's not about you. <laughs> you look at me as surprised. You don't believe in seven-year tribulation? Is that you? Okay, yeah. I do not believe in a seven-year tribulation. Okay. 
Um, the only place found for a seven-year tribulation is Daniel 9.27. And you have, if you're going to believe that, okay, you have to accept that the one who is confirming the covenant there is the Antichrist. Because he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of seven, he will, you know, um, I forgot, I can't quote the rest of it, forgive me. Um, but basically, he, you know, he breaks the covenant, okay? So, you, you are for, your theology, if you're going to say there's seven years, your theology is forced to believe that this man is the Antichrist, okay? But here's the thing, since he will confirm a covenant, I also address this very element in that teaching, confirming the covenant, that teaching, confirming the covenant. Um, it's, um, the word for confirm is in Hebrew, um, Higber. It's Higber, okay? It's to confirm. Confirm something that's already established, not make, not create, to confirm. So if you go back, let's go, if you go back to Daniel 9, chapter, or verse 4, I think it is, it's Daniel praying for his people, all this different stuff, and he, and he actually mentions the everlasting covenant. The covenant. So now, in this one chapter, we have the uh, establishment of what covenant is being discussed. The covenant, the law, the Torah, okay? So, what did Yeshua come to do? To confirm, to reestablish the covenant between us. Okay, and in the middle of the seven, he was what? Done away with. Okay, he was he was hung on the cross. Okay, so if you go into that teaching, it'll, it'll explain all of that out. Okay, so hopefully that'll help you some. Uh huh. Anyone else? Talking in my room. I'm sorry. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> yes. Question regarding breaking of bread with different believers. Okay. And the question is? Is it good or not? Yeah. Should it be or should it be not? Good question. Um, in the scripture, I can't remember where it's at right now, um, it says, you know, uh, to not do so. Now, I'm failing to remember what verses. It's in the New Testament. That being said, what did you shoot with? Here with the sinners. He was the light, okay? Um, now, that being said, we know these sinners were what? Seeking. Because you don't go to eat with Jesus if you're not seeking. Even even the Pharisees, there's many of the Pharisees who, I forgot what verse it is, it said they quietly were interested in him. You know, they, they couldn't make it public, but if they did that, they lose their position in the temple. Okay? So they went there quietly. So the thing is, if I believe it's okay if these people are interested, if they're seeking. You know, other than that, you're I think you're only you know friendship with the world is friendship towards God. You know, and so we have gotta kinda of draw that line, where do we need to be? It's a difficult line. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that's that's a you need to pray that the Holy Spirit reveal to you what you need to do. And uh, but I'll tell you this. Um we, had, we invited uh, a young couple over who I just, I knew for sure they're going to get it. What was I wrong? And so the thing is, I never have to worry about them on the point of my house again. Because they know what's going to be discussed. You know, before we even came to Torah, Angie made fun of me. And, and because everywhere we went, I say she made fun of me, just kind of chuckled, you know. Um, it was because everywhere we went, I always took my Bible. In hopes a Bible study would break out, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and and so um, and sometimes it did. Most of the time it didn't. You know, they go for games and we go a movie or whatever. You know, and, and that stuff can can be okay, okay. But you know, when believers gather, 
What should a believer do? You know, discussing the word. And so, um, if you have a believer who is, who is not pursuing Torah yet, you know, um, if you're in my house and we're going to discuss Bible one time real quick, eventually, okay? And if you are interested in it, then you're going to enjoy the conversation. Um, if you're not interested in it, I promise you, you won't be back. You know, and I don't mean it to be rude, but that's who I am. I, it bubbles out of me. What more can I say? And it should, you know? Yes, ma'am. Um, you just sounded like Paul right now because I didn't have the question. So you're just giving an answer. I don't know what the question was. Oh, yes. Yes. I Meaning he, he asks, what do we do? Do we break fellowship bread with non believers? Oh, thank you. Yes. Yes. So, yes. Would you agree that the only meal that you don't eat with? Non-believer would be Passover. Passover. At the same token, allow me to say this because um, that was I. I addressed this issue specifically uh, in detail in our um, circumcision teaching. Two-part teaching, very long teaching. I'm sorry, I had to cover a lot with it. But in it, um, we were uh, had several people saying you should not do this because of you know what the scripture says. What does the scripture say? And I'm going to loosely paraphrase. Okay. Um, it says you're not to partake of the Passover lamb. Okay. Well, we aren't partaking of the Passover lamb. There's no. You're not. You're not eating the lamb. Okay. Because why? We're not going. We're only even this right now. With this feast that we're celebrating, we're memorializing. We're not really celebrating. Because where are we supposed to be after this feast? Same thing with Passover. You're supposed to be in Jerusalem. You can't do Passover. You can't do these things. We're doing our best to pursue and memorializing them to show Father we know these days mean something, okay? So therefore, we are not going to be blind to the day. We're going to know. But to say we are obeying these things, we're not obeying, okay? And same thing with Passover. We're really, we're really not obeying Passover because we're not there. So if you can't do that, how can we say then you can't do this, this, and this? Because the Passover time is supposed to be done there. <laughs> are you following what I'm saying? So um, I understand your point, and I agree. However, until the Yeshua returns, it can't be pursued, can't be obeyed perfectly until then. So I, I kind of struggle with that myself. I, hopefully that helped and made sense. So are you saying that well, Yeshua obviously is the one authority, right? Yeah, oh, yes, he is. Okay, so that's who we go to once he returns. Correct. Well, and he'll be in, he'll be in Jerusalem. But there's so much difficulty with people wanting to be right oh, yeah. in regards to the feasts of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it becomes very difficult, and it's... People are dividing. People are separating. Right. Messianics are in a mess. Yeah. Here's the thing. You're, and you're discussing calendars. What you're telling me. You're discussing calendar, correct? Precisely. Yes. And um, here's the thing. I follow conjunction. Who follows sight and moon in here? Okay. Who follows the uh, Hillel calendar in here, which is traditional rabbinical? Okay. And then how many follow something else? There you go. Okay, so we now have at least a minimum of four to five calendars represented in this room. Okay, now let me ask you a question. Have you all enjoyed one of those fellowship? Yes. Calendar means nothing right now. Okay, so all I can tell you is there will come a time, and George and I were discussing this uh, last week. I believe, I, I, I can only give you what I think on this. This is one of the issues where George said the first thing, George scripture, things we think. This is the thing I think. I believe um, 
when the 1260 begins, which is the beginning of the Antichrist rule, we will all be on the same calendar. Okay, and here's the thing I can give you. This is why. Um, first of all, we know Yeshua says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the time of his return. Now, we all know in context, he's talking about they're all doing this, all doing that, and they didn't know the time. So I agree. Let's keep that clear. That's the context. But there also could be hidden undertones with us at the same time. Because at the time of Noah, it is believed by most all that I have heard and studied that the earth was on a perfect 360-day calendar. The orbit of the earth was a perfect 360 days around the earth. Okay? So whenever the flood happened, Whatever caused that flood to happen, you can. there's lots of theories. I'm not going to get into theories on that because we'll be forever on this, okay? But there's a theory that that whatever knocked us off, whatever changed everything, because people were living to be 900 years old before the flood, okay? So something major happened, okay? And then it's believed that whatever catastrophic event that forced the flood upon the earth that actually pulled our orbit out by two or three inches on our orbit, which elongated it by five days on a whole year, okay? And so I believe that we are waiting for the birth pains to happen, okay? The birth pains is, um, let me go into this, because there's a reason why I'm doing this for this calendar thing, because I really believe we will all be, no matter what you are, all calendars are, we will all be on the same one, because there will only be one calendar. We'll be back on a perfect 360-day cycle. That means what? There will have to be another catastrophic event. Are you with me? Okay, let me um, find this right here. It's in, you can go to Matthew 24. Hit the reset button. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, in Matthew 24, um, we're on verse 8 and 7. Yes, here it is. Okay, are you ready? I am in uh, Matthew 24. Oh, okay, okay. Matthew 24. It says, Nation will rise against nation. 24 what? I'm sorry, uh, 24 starting in verse 7. Starting in verse 7. Again, nation will rise against nation. I'm going to read all of it and come back. And kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of the birth pains. Now, let's backtrack just for a second. First it says, nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Folks, how long has there been wars on this planet Earth? Forever. I mean, non-stop. There's always been a battle somewhere on planet Earth since the time of Yeshua. He said these very words. Okay? So what, that can't be meaning just, just a war. Okay? Notice it says, nation against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. What are the two nations, scripturally speaking? Israel and Israel. Okay? So we're talking those two nations. When they start battling, we got something to understand. And then he says kingdom against kingdom. Well, how many kingdoms are there? Kingdom of God, kingdom of Satan. Okay? When these two things are, are at the prime, now, now things are started. And now here's the biggest thing I feel. And I was telling George this last week. In all the um, English-speaking Bibles that I have seen, they all miss this. And I'm going, surely I am not the only one who's seen this. I, and, and, or, or, surely I cannot be that wrong, you know? Here it is. 
It says there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And when we read that, we go, well, there'll be an earthquake here, there'll be an earthquake there, right? When we read that, okay? But what is it? It's katah to post. Various is katah, and places is to post. Now, if I go to katah, which in the Greek means according to, okay? Now, when I go to post, it means, it can give you several things. Place, position, opportunity, passage. Passage. What did Yeshua always do? He referred to the to the Tanakh. Okay, so let's re, now let's, let me change this a little bit around according to what I would say the Greek is better rendered as. There will be famines and earthquakes according to the passages. Oh. Well, now let that change things, doesn't it? So, because what did he always do? He quoted from the Old Testament. Now he's he's referring to all the earthquakes that's written before. These are going to be the beginnings of the birth pains. Not the beginning of 1260 or the 1290, but the beginning of the birth pains leading up to them. Now, so I read that one, oh my stars. So I started looking, where is all these earthquakes mentioned? There's two that I can give you mindful of. One is Isaiah 24, the whole chapter. I encourage you to read it. Isaiah 24, and then you go to Jeremiah chapter 4. It's mentioned there also. Okay? But if you read Jeremiah, uh, I'm sorry, um, Isaiah 24, that is a massive, literal, world-shaking event. He says the mountains are going to tremble and hide. Okay, what's that mean? Drop to nothing. Okay? So whatever this event is going to be, it's going to shake the earth. Now, that being said, how they do, did this, if it's even true, I don't know. We all remember this, um, the tsunami and earthquake in Japan in 2011. They said it rocked the world so hard that it literally moved the axis, the axis of the earth like a quarter of an inch or something like that. A degree. A degree. Okay, a degree. Now, how they know that, I don't know. Okay, but they're, they were claiming it left and right. Everyone was saying it. Even the people who like don't trust the news are saying, yeah, that's right, okay. And so that little, I say little, okay, 9.0 earthquake can do that. What's this thing going to do that literally shakes the earth? Okay, and again, if that which shook the earth, and it did, it's time to know it, took us out of orbit to a 365 circle around the earth, what's going to happen beforehand? To put us back in that right orbit. Now, I'm giving you pure speculation, but I'm giving you scriptures that can say, hey, wow, that makes sense. Okay? Um, I believe it will be interesting times, but I believe that um, it's, a, it's funny because um, I believe Isaiah gives us hints of what day it's even going to fall on. Day of a week. Not, not day in a calendar year, but day of a calendar week. And, and I, I think it's a Sunday. It's going to happen on a Sunday. Okay. But just talk to me about that later. We'll go into detail later. Um, but the thing is this: um, when the time of the 1260 begins, we will all be on the same calendar because of that world-shaking event. That's my belief. So I think all these debates that you just said, and I think it is so gravely sad that people divide over this. Uh, if, if you have someone, who, if you know someone who's divided over it, please encourage them to watch our teaching called ECAT. 
Okay, it's it's uh, Hebrew for one. E E C A D E C H A D. Okay, wait a second. Pause, pause, pause. No, no, no. You know what? This is funny. He corrected me on that the other day. Okay. He goes, no, it's Hebrew. Okay. And then you know what he did? So we start watching all these Hebrew videos on YouTube. I've had a fun time. Well, guess what word was in one of them? He caught. But how did they say it? He can. Thank you. So anyway, but that teaching is about this. Agreeing to disagree. We're all wrong on something. We're all right on something. You know, one day, Yeshua's going to come. He's going to show who is right, who is wrong. And we're all wrong on something. So we're all going to give a little bit of slap here on the face by spying on something. And we're going to give pat on the back on something else. And, and we're all praying for the pats, of course. But we need to be willing and, and honest to say, we're all just doing our best at what we can. Let's move forward. You know? And in doing so, we're forgetting about the sacrifice. Amen. Love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. You're you're absolutely right. I don't mean to be right. It's just it's a fact. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. This is why people are divided because their, their dogma is so intent on being right. Right. We forget about grace and mercy. That's right. That's right. It's funny because. Uh, I, I pulled a joke on him on the first day, oh, I pulled my first day of Sukkot, okay, and he didn't even hear me, because he was too busy talking to someone else right next to him, you know, and I looked up, and it was, the clouds had broken open just enough, you know, you can see the full moon, and I go, ah, a full moon, first night of Sukkot, the way it should be. <laughs> but having that said, you know, it's, even if you follow a conjunction, the full moon will not always be on the 15th. I mean, sometimes it's all on the beginning of the 16th. or You know, because it's, it's always, it depends on when the full moon happens, or the new moon. The conjunction be at the beginning of the day or the end of the day. So it's, it all, it's, you know, one of those things. But it's one of those things like, when it all happens, we're all going to be on the same calendar. I think. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. I don't know, this may be another controversial issue. I don't know. But I just want to know that I knew in in as far as fellowshipping with people that and they've got all these different words and and um, it was a struggle for me to give up Jesus and say Yeshua because I was raised. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So good. Um, the question is, I've heard. Um, Yehovah, Yahweh, um, Hashem, Yehovah, Yehovah, um, what's right? What do I say? Here's the deal. Okay. John is working on a teaching right now called Hashem. Hashem means name. Now, we're so bent on the name. Did you know his name was not revealed until the time of Moses? No one knew his name until the time of Moses. Okay, so I asked, how important was it to know the name? 
Abraham, Abraham followed him without knowing his name. So, what the name Hashem means authority. It's the authority. I come in the name of the king. Meaning what? I come in the authority of the king. Okay? Hashem is authority. Now, having said that, I'm not saying to, that we should be little if you say it this way and you say it that way. But you're going to, we're going to be dividing for a long time over because none of us know it. You know? How can I say this? The thing is, I look, I look at the English language. The English language. Go to King James. How many hundreds of years ago? Now let's go to today. Wow, has it changed. Okay. So, now we go to Hebrew. And you talk to, I've spoken to several Hebrews. They'll say, today's Hebrew is not the Hebrew that was in the New Testament. And the New Testament Hebrew is not the Paleo-Hebrew that was spoken back then. Okay? Things are constantly changing. Having that said, there are still foundations and things that are established that will stay the same. Okay, so I, I acknowledge that. Okay. But my point is this. We're not going to know it all. Okay? And, and it saddens me when I see people who want to divide over the name. You know, um, Yohebabe. That's what I say. Um, I, when I say, I, I will say Yah or Yahweh. That's just me. Now, let me, let me pause for a second. Because you said how you struggle giving up the name Jesus. When I first came to Torah, and, and I was all excited about, wow, this is real. I mean, you know, lights clicked on. I've got so much to learn. And then I went to the fellowships. And then you have these people wearing these strings on their chins. And you've got these people saying, Yahovah, Yahweh, Yeshua. And, and you know, I'll be honest with you here. Oh, he said he's not saying that, but... I would walk along the side, just, just being observant. Yeah. Law's good. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Because it made me uncomfortable. And why did it make me feel uncomfortable? Because I felt they were forcing it on me. you got to say Yeshua. You can't say Jesus anymore. you got to say Yahweh, Yehovah, whatever else. I never want to be that way. I never want to push. Because if I wasn't as strong in my faith at that very moment... I could have easily walked out the door and never come back to that strange people again. And I hope and pray that no one will look at me and think I'm pushing them away. If you want to say Jesus, say Jesus. Okay? Now, it doesn't offend me. Because, it, you know why? Because it's, it's a transliteration. And John goes, John has got a great teaching. I can't wait for him to bring us out. And he, and, and he has done so much studies on this. And it's going to be really, really good. Okay, and it shows how Hashem means authority. You walk in the authority of Yahweh, Yehovah, Yah, Yahovah. However you want to say it, it's, it's what? Yehovah. I'm sorry. The living God. The living God. Yeah. And then you get a lot of people say, "Well, you can't say God because of this." You know, it's like there's so many, so many people who have these hardcore things, and I respect that. Please know I respect their opinion I res and I value their opinion but I pray that they don't push that opinion on me and say that I'm sinning because of it. Okay? Right. And, here, and here's the thing, a lot of times you'll get people who will say, 
Well, you know, third commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Okay? And I wish I was prepared for this now. I went through that. And if you go through the, um, the Tanakh, you'll find where J Yahweh brings, or Yoda, baby, or your city. He brings judgment on his, his people. Judgment starts in the house of God, folks. Let's not forget that. He always brings judgment on his people. And he says, why? Because you have made my name a stench among the nations. Why? What did, Were they saying it wrong? They was taking his authority and making it as nothing. Taking his name in vain. Okay? And so I'm just telling you, the more you study... That third commandment, it's all about how you live his life in front of them. Amen. You want to take his name? You better take his name with real respect out there. Because he doesn't take it like that. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's his authority. You know, and so um, that's where I am at with that. And um, we are more than willing to consider other things, but I'll, I'll promise you that we have looked into it pretty extensively. And, and I'm not saying we won't change your mind, but you've got to give us a lot that we haven't viewed already. You know, but we'll be more than willing to consider that. Yes, ma'am. Actually, that same day where you were there, we were talking calendar issues. Uh, okay. We were talking calendar issues as well, if you remember. Okay. We said the same thing, you know, we shouldn't let it divide. Yes. And uh, there was someone there who said something very interesting to me, and I haven't had a chance to relate to you. He says he believes these, these things, such as calendar issues or name issues, are there for a reason so that we have to rely on Yahweh even more in the millennial reign. Because if we knew it all and we could practice it all perfectly, we wouldn't need that thousand years with it. Oh, even then, even then, let's, let's, I, I would, no, I would almost... That's what he was, his whole little thing is, is, so that because you're not able to say his name properly or because we're not able to nail down the calendar properly, we all the more have to be united and accepting of that because right it now. will all be straightened out. Right. In the millennial well, and, and I agree. And that same token, though, you know, let's, let's look at, you know, Moses came down. Speaking to him, he knew his name. So he's telling everybody, okay? He's telling everything the right word, how to say his name, but yeah, what do they do? You know, because why? It's human nature. We want to rebel. We want to resist, you know? So um, there's lots of things that can be said with that, you know? But yeah, I'm with you. Any, where else we have? So then what would it mean to call upon his name? His, his authority. How do you do that? What does that mean? Okay, an example. You're in, let's 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 look at this. Let's just say you are in prison. The president gets out of office next year. Matter of fact, let's say he gets out of office in three months. According to the law of the United States, anyway, I'm sorry, I'm from the United States. Yes. Okay. The United States says what? He has the right to pardon anyone he wants before he leaves office. In the law. I can promise you every single one of them prisoners in prison was writing a letter to who? Dear Mr. President, the authority that he has. The second he leaves that, that office, he doesn't have that authority. Because why? He's not the president anymore. The president is the authority, okay? He's the authority, okay? His name, his word is his name. His, he is his word. It's all, it's all like, 
one. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's good. That's good. The Lord, our God, is one. Okay, so when you call upon that authority, you're calling upon Him, His name, His word, everything that is about Him, everything that consists in Him. That's what you're calling on. His authority. Does that help at all? Yeah, how would a person... I thought that was practical. <laughs> Version of a practical one. Let's say okay, okay. spiritual thing, and then it's okay. So anybody, like the Christians who are not Christian Sabbath or whatever, they will call upon. Oh, okay, yeah. They understand it. I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. Yes. Are they calling on his authority? Let's think about this for a quick second. Right now, I'm going to say no, out of ignorance. For the sake of clarification, don't forget, don't let if I meander, and I will. Okay, bring me back to your point. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Numbers chapter 15. Absolutely. She's, uh, they wanted, you know, an application. Because if you have a Christian, well, they're calling on the name. Okay, so what's the difference? You know, so, so if I can bring that together. Um, and I actually uh, addressed this in the teaching, as I, I think I mentioned it earlier, the, uh, the least grace, greatest and the defiant. I, I addressed this in detail. Okay, but real quickly... Um, and I address it in how Yeshua is addressing Numbers 15. Give me a second as I pull this up. Okay, here's the thing. Numbers 15, chapter uh, 1522, where it starts at. Uh, let's backtrack just for a few verses for context, if you don't mind. Uh, let's start in verse 17. And it says, Yahweh said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land to which I am taking you, and you eat the food of the land, present a portion as an offering to the Lord. Present a cake from the first of your ground, meal, and present it as an offering from the threshing floor. Throughout the generations to come, you are to give this as an offering to Yahweh from the first of your ground meal. Now, so here's the thing. He said in the context, you're going into the land. So, now, once they're in the land, let's move forward. Verse 22. Now, if you unintentionally fail to keep any of these commands, the Lord your God, so the Lord gave Moses, and any of the Lord's commands to you through him, from, that, from the day of the Lord gave them, and continuing through the generations to come. And if this is done unintentionally, without the community being aware of it, then the whole community is to offer, and then he gives it illustrations. Then, if you, um, for the sake of shortening our time now, go to the teaching, the least, greatest, and defiant. I, I spell this out. But here's the thing. So how can they be in the land and all of a sudden, unintentionally, fail to keep all these commands? Okay, meaning what? Generation come, generation come, generation come. Next thing you know, it wasn't passed on the way it should, okay? And, and a prime example of this, Josiah. What did Josiah do? He became king at eight, okay? By the time he was 16, he was saying, you know what? I'm not sure I'm happy with all this stuff. So he, he cleaned some things out. And in the process of cleaning things out, what did they find? <gasps> we found the book of the law. <laughs> really? You found the book of the law. Yeah. Oh, really? Where was it? Was in the temple. Can you believe it? <laughs> so all these 
these other things they had in the temple, they find the book of law, dust all over it, okay? And they get it out. And he starts having it read to him. He realizes how much they had fallen. And then, man, he cleaned house. I mean, read the book of Josiah, that whole story on Josiah. I love it. I mean, it even says, there's one part where it says they had um, horses uh, dedicated to, uh, I forgot the name, but it was the sun god, okay? And in case you didn't know, that back then in the Greek mythology, still it was still there. They believed Helios, now it's a different name for the, in the Hebrews they bring it up. Helios was the sun god who would hitch up his horses every morning, hook them to the back of his um, uh, chariot, and ride the sun, the, the, pull the sun across the sky. So those very horses was made a statue of and was in the temple of God. Right. You know, and so when you read it, you don't really think about it. If you study Greek mythology, you go, oh my stars, that's what this is all about. Oh man, they were so far removed, okay? But so here we are. They were calling upon God all the time, okay? But were they following Him? No. Okay, not fully. So the same with our believers, our brothers, and I say brothers and sisters, okay, who are in the church today. Now, if they are rejecting, if they, if they have received the word, they received it, they've heard it, and they've understood it, and they say, you know what, I want nothing to do with that. Well, that's rejection, okay? I'm sorry, you can call the name of God all you want. He's not going to hear you, okay, because you're rejecting his word. In essence, you're rejecting. They say they accept Jesus, but they forget that Jesus is the living Torah. Okay, so he's one and the same. However, someone who is calling upon the, the, on the name, okay, out of ignorance, not knowing, number 15, okay, all those people at that time, they thought they were serving God. Okay, they really were. Yeah, they had this God. Yeah, they had that God. But they thought they were calling on him. So the same, I believe, is parallel what we have with our believers, to, our brothers and sisters in the church today. They're, they're calling on the name of God, okay? But as the word gets more revealed to them, they will have the opportunity to accept or reject. And here's the thing. Uh, I don't think I actually say this in this teaching, but as the end times get closer, wherever we're at, we don't know, okay? But I can promise you, by the time the day of Yeshua's return, there will be no gray area. You're either for him or you're against him. No gray, okay? And that's just the way it will be. And we will all have that choice to make, you know. And, I, and that's because some people are, are in the church today, and I have family even. Oh, I'm looking into it. It's interesting. I understand what you're saying, Steve. I'm looking. I'm not sure I'm with you on this yet, but we're going to look at that. Okay, I call them in the gray area at this moment. I wish they would get to this side real quick because they'll be forced to go one side or the other real soon. Now, here's an example. Um, my mom, uh, a year ago, you know, and uh, we were talking, and, and she was saying, well, Steve, you know, I mean, you know, you're, you're doing all this stuff, and I'm going, yeah, you know, and she goes, well, you don't eat pork, you know, I go, yeah, well, Mom, look, it says it right here, and then she goes, well, yeah, yeah, you're right, it says that, but you know, I mean, having a BOT, is that wrong, you know, <laughs> this is true, I'm telling you, this is, this really happened, okay, and, and then I, and I said, Mom, I said, it's, 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 it's pork. No, I, I said, it's part of it, okay? And she goes, well, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that was a year ago, a little over a year ago. So when we were, we were back in, at home this, uh, a few weeks ago, and my mom has changed. Because she, she knows our, our knife and stuff, and she had bought a lasagna. 
frozen lasagna, you know? And she goes, hey, I want a lasagna for you, blah, blah, blah. Then Angie goes, well, Rita, does it have pork in it? She goes, oh, I don't know. You know, so then we went off and did some other things at night. Well, she went home to look at it, and she called us the next day. She goes, it does have pork, and I'm going to have to get rid of that. Oh, wow. Well, wow. You know, if, if you force something on somebody, you're just, you're just trying to condemn them as far as they're concerned. Re reveal the truth in time, the Father will work on them. And they might not grow as fast as you want them to. One day at a time. I'm not growing as fast as he wants me to. You know, and you aren't either. And he's gracious with us, so let us share that grace. Freely we receive, freely we shall give. You know, so hopefully that helps. I don't know where. Do I answer? Do, do, do we come back and eat all? <laughs> okay, pray on it, and then hopefully I'll. Um, I'm sorry, I thought I was more prepared for you on that. I'm Not, sure it's good, but I can tell you one thing. Um, God has worked in my life. If I look back for a long time, and I did not. <coughs> understood a lot of things I understand today and I'm really thankful for his patience and his grace with me and having having seen it in my own life I think he can do whatever he wants to do with any soul he likes whatever he decides to do and it doesn't matter a thing what you think okay and so we should be very careful really what he said condemning people okay and, and really sometimes I'm thinking like wow you know, what God does is incredible. And then you have a super preacher and you find out the way you live, you think like, oh man, I don't want to be in his shoes on Judgment Day. Right. You know, so we really don't know. We just don't know. And and, and, and that's where we should uh, stay, you know. Pray for the people. That's that's the best you can do. Someone else had a question. Yes. Um, maybe you could give your stance on a situational question. A situational question? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, so, Rob, thank you. Uh, the situational question is, is, I know this couple who, they keep Shabbat, they celebrate the feasts, they don't celebrate Christmas, they don't celebrate Easter. Mm -hmm. They stay at home on Shabbat because in Exodus, well, it actually says, do not leave your dwelling. Yes. So instead of going to Shabbat service, because it only says that once, and they deem their family as a holy convocation. Right. Fulfilling that. They actually go to worship service on Sunday. Gotcha. But they don't, they don't do Christmas. They don't do Easter. I have an answer. They're kosher. They do ketubahs a year ahead of time. All that sort of stuff. Right. What? Okay. How would you well, let's look at this. So they're saying, according to gathering rock, what you're saying correctly, they're saying that if you leave your house, you're sinning. No, that's well, not what they're saying. Okay. What they're saying is you say they like to follow the law first mentioned. Right. They're not saying anybody who goes to Shabbat service is sinning. What they're saying, though, is, is that a lot of people tell them that because they worship on Sunday, that that means they're not Torah observant. And they're saying, well, we don't agree with that because we do everything else. We just don't leave our dwelling place. We convocate with our family in our dwelling place as for Exodus, mm -hmm. and we do worship service on Sunday. Gotcha. Um, but again, if they're saying first mention, okay, is the word, yeah. they're implying to you that if you don't do it, then you're wrong. No, no, they've never said that to me. I'm with you. Oh, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. But let's. Okay. Okay. 
the, the implication is there. Right. And here's the thing. Um, what they're doing is not sin. If they want to stay in their dwelling, they have a right to do that. You can't. <laughs> I think, you know, when, when we first came to Torah and we were driving, I forgot how, how long, like an hour drive, and sometimes even longer than that. I was tired. When I got home, I was tired. You know, and, and so, and that's just, I've heard some of you guys' stories, well, I drove too hard, I drove too hard. So I'm going, oh, stars. You know, like, wow. And so, um, but here's the thing. Yeshua healed on the Sabbath. So where was he at? Outside of the store. So, if Yeshua is our spotless lamb, he lived the Torah perfectly. We should understand from that right there alone. That is not the proper interpretation of that scripture. Okay. okay. Two, um, John has a, 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 a teaching about the don't start a fire on the Sabbath and how that is all about work. It has nothing to do. If you're freezing cold, you really think he's going to say, Don't you dare. <laughs> he's not going to do that. It was all about work. Back then, the whole thing is today, you know, it's easy for us, you know, <laughs> turn the heater on, you know, do this. It's, it's so much different. But back then, even for work, they had to prepare in advance. And that, the fire was all about preparing for work. Okay. And in the same situation, um, that whole thing, don't leave your dwelling, it means don't go so far around. It's, the dwelling is your, your normal habitat, not necessarily your, your house. Okay? And uh, if it's not, I think we've got a teaching on the way out regarding that. Or we mentioned it somewhere in one of our teachings. <laughs> Am I finding it? Because um, we've got a lot of teachings out there. But um, I don't remember which one it was if we do discuss it. But, but the biggest thing is, you know, Yeshua healed on the Sabbath out and about. Yeah, because a lot of other Torah pursuing people tell them because they're worshiping on Saturday that they're not pursuing. That's right, on Sunday instead of Saturday. Oh, no. They want to, that they're not Torah pursuing. No, 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 no. Hold on a second. What's that being said? Because I mean, you can, you can, anyone can go to Sunday morning service if you want. Okay? Because why? It's a Bible study. Okay? Are you saying I can't have a Bible study on Sunday night or, or, or Monday night? It's got to be Shabbat, Shabbat only? Really? I mean, you're, we're, immediately we're saying Shabbat is the only time for Bible studies. Then. And now, now granted, I cannot, I personally cannot go to a Sunday morning church because what they believe and what they're preaching, what they're seeing about, is not what I would be seeing about. So I would struggle. This me. But some people enjoy it and get something out of it. No, they're actually a pastoral team, so they have their own. Okay. And they call it Sabbath keeping Pentecostalism. Okay. Because they don't, whenever they called it Torah pursuant, or Hebrew pursuit, people would always shun them for having it on Sunday. Well, there's nothing wrong with having a service on Sunday. And there's not. Um, the, um, the biggest thing is you keep Shabbat, and that is don't work, don't make anyone else work for you, okay? And you need to gather with somebody. In, in reality, and if, and if you have no one close by, then your family is your is your gathering, okay? Because you do what you can do. Um, but yeah, I and mean, if they want to have you know a, a gathering meeting on Sunday, that did sound good. <laughs> That's good. Um, there is a, a minister who has actually been ministering to, to my mom, and he's on TV, and I'm sorry, I'm forgetting his name. Eddie Hahn. Who? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, 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 please. 
preaches Torah, and he does this very same thing. He has a congregation that meets on uh, on uh, Saturday and Sunday. Okay, and um, it's through him my mom has really been growing. And get this, my mom has not seen one of my teachings. Don't you know why? Not because she doesn't want to. She doesn't have internet. She's 77 years old. She doesn't have internet. Why would she have internet? So, and just uh, this last week, I, I uh, had our ministry mail her the lost sheep teaching. So she can you know watch it with my, my sister. Hopefully she'll watch along. Um, but yeah, having Sunday morning services, if you want to have it, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Okay. Yeah, as long as you are keeping sound. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I'll let them know. Because I mean, I've, I've always said that. Because, you know, the temple ran 24 hours a day. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I just wanted to confirm that I'm not telling other people the wrong thing. Because people would say they're not Torah. Okay. Even if they're yeah. worshiping on Sunday. I said, they're doing everything else that we're doing other than that. Because they don't meet their dwelling kids on Saturday. Right. You want to say something real quick? Okay. Well, I have a question that's uh, regarding the Trinity. Um, Next question. And we're just talking on the cod. Right. Yeah, give us another five minutes. 
Steve, what is your thoughts on the blood moons? Have you seen our teaching on the blood moons? Okay, we got the teaching the blood moons, and it's called the blood moons and the greater excess. Explaining where we stand on the blood moons and what is the greater excess. Okay, now, um, I was showing George this, and it's funny. How many saw our teaching, uh, Daniel and Seal? Oh, just a hand. It was a long time ago. And when uh, we went through that, and I remember when the day was coming up, and it was like three months before the day was what we thought plausible could happen. And I looked at my wife, I said, Angie, I said, it ain't going to happen. Just three months. I said, I don't think it's going to happen. And she goes, why? I said, because there's not enough happening in the world to prep it. And I said, I could be wrong. Things can happen just like that. We all know, okay? But there wasn't enough basis in the world. And then it became one week ahead of, you know, I said, ain't gonna happen. I said, this is not. One day before, I, I told her, I said, you know what, it's not. And it did, okay? Having that said, I've always believed with the blood moves. You got two this year, two next year. Lots of eclipses, all in a mix. And I've always told Angie, I said, I don't, I just struggle seeing it all happen on this blood moon or on that. I said, to me, I think these things could be pointing to the center of something in the middle of them. I said, I don't understand it. I said, that's just something I've, I've always thought. Around two months ago, someone sent me this, and I don't know even what ministry it came from. I apologize. I'm going to, I'm going to scoot it over here for you to see. And in this, you can't see it well, so let me explain it for you, okay? If you look, you see, oh, here, you do this. Can you see the, the, my cursor at all? Yeah. yeah. Okay, this cursor right here is put uh, uh, is from May, or April 15th, this year's blood, first blood moon. And this one right here you saw was last week's, okay? Now, all of these, if you look, point to the middle. Now, let's just, I'm going to spell it out for you. This date that all these lines are pointing to is January the 5th. 
Now, why January 5th? I have no idea. I have, there's nothing biblical for this date that I can come up with anything. Okay, I have my assumptions. Besides that, nothing. So, from this recent blood moon, this last week, go 90 days exactly, you land on January 5th. Uh, January 5th. Go 90 days from that January 5th, you land on April 4th, the next blood moon. 90-90. Perfect symmetrical. Go from this last Jan uh, April, you go 266 days to January 5th perfectly. Well, from January 5th, go 266 days, you have the last blood moon. Exactly. Perfectly isometrically sent, set right with January 5th. And that's just with these four, you go with all the other um, eclipses that go in line, they all are symmetrical with January 5th. What does it mean? I have zero clue. Okay, but I felt obligated to let you know that this is something in the middle. Okay, one second please. And as I have always been believed, and I'll, if you didn't know our stance on this, uh, we lean heavily that um, Yahweh spoke to Moses through the, uh, the burning bush on the day of trumpets. Okay, so he's speaking to Moses on the day of trumpets. And he tells him to do what? Go back to Egypt. Okay, so what's Moses do? He goes on a 10-day journey back to Egypt. 10 days later, what's that land on? Yom Kippur. He appears before Pharaoh on Yom Kippur, saying what? Let my people go so they may make sacrifice. He requested what? A three-day journey. So he requested a three-day journey from that day. Going three days, they get there on the third day. Fourth day, they set up camp. Okay, what's the fifth day? Fifth day then? Sukkot. The plan was originally to be, they're going to celebrate Sukkot. But Yahweh said, but I'm going to harden his heart. It's not going to happen. Okay, so here's the plan, but it ain't going to happen. So, and then, not only did it not happen that five days later, on Yom Kippur, most, uh, Pharaoh did what? He made it harder for them. He said, I'm going to take away your help, and you better do all the work just the same. So, five days before the, the feast, where they're commanded to rejoice, Okay, now they're going through more hard times. Okay, so, and then, I think it's plausible to understand that either just after Sukkot, or not far after, the plagues began. Okay, those plagues lasted anywhere between three to six months, depending on when they had started. We all think it was just like a few weeks before, you know, Passover. I, I struggle with that, okay? In one of my teachings in the end times, I discussed this. I'm sorry, I don't know which one it is. So, well, I discussed that in one of the teachings. Um, that being said, I believe the the um, the birth pains that Yeshua mentions will be starting equating to the same time that the plague started right after Sukkot. It's, history is cyclical. It's always cyclical when it comes to Hebrew. And so I think it's only appropriate that... The birth pains will start the same way that the plague started after that Sukkot. Okay? When? I don't know. But I think it's only, for me, common sense to think he's going to do the same thing again. Okay? And so now, is January 5th it? I don't know. It will it soon be leading up to January 5th? I don't know. But I felt obligated to at least share this with you to be mindful of. And as we leave this Sukkot, be mindful. Of, you know, let's keep our eyes open because you never know. You know? I, I wanted to share that with you. So hopefully. Thank you. Yes. Yes. 
So, yes, ma'am. Just in case you don't know, Eastern Orthodox. Yes. January 5th or 6th of any year, given year, is recorded as the day of the Epiphany. Yes. Really? In all the, the day that the saints, the Magi, realized that that's that they had to leave for the Messiah. Oh, the 12th day of Christmas. The 12th, exactly. Now, okay. See, it's funny you said that because I was going to say I have my theories and it was the 12th day of Christmas. I don't know anything about the 12th day of Christmas. I do know it's Ethan Orthodox writings that apparently the God had the epiphany on January 5th or 6th. They weren't quite sure right. which day it was, but mm -hmm. that's what they said. It okay, now, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to send a little cuckoo for some of you. Um, there's a lot of things, okay? That we not got to be like that. You know, because 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 talks about a strong delusion, a powerful delusion. Folks, a powerful delusion. So strong that even the elect would be deceived if it were possible. We need to be ready for anything. I, I would encourage you to watch our teaching. Um, the first five trumpets, I go into some things that some people could consider stupid, silly, but I think they're plausible, and that's why we mention them. Um, and I believe that, um, you know, pagan religions have always followed many things about the stars. They follow the equinox, they follow all that stuff. Okay, and we looked upon them, or we have looked upon them in the recent past as, oh, that's all voodoo or whatever, you know, bad stuff. Not realizing that, hey, uh, he said for us, those are signs for our morning, for the seasons. So we've allowed the enemy to steal from us what is true. Can I say it that way? Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, just seeing something like that, you know, I mean, should we be looking a little more intently at stuff like this. I think so. Do I say no, because we don't know. We know the Moedim, okay, and we and we are, we do our best to, to pursue those, but at the same token, um, knowing that the enemy has these things, you know, and, and you know, Christmas started out on December 21st, okay, and mainly it was because of the uh, I'm sorry? The birth of the sun. The birth of the sun and what equinox is solstice. The solstice. solstice. Right. And I, I tell you, I've always had my concern thinking, you know, yeah, the pagans look at it, we just mock at it, but should we be thinking those pagans have got something right? And we're all because if we've lost our wisdom because we go, oh, it's all pagan stuff. Well, you know, are you following me where I'm going with that? Yeah. Okay, and so just be mindful of stuff like that. I'm not saying to, you know, hold my mind the sinker, but we have to be mindful that, you know, these days we live in, I want to say it this way, the powerful delusion, when it comes, we don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be powerful. What if, what if it lands on what the pagans say will happen? That means it legitimizes what the pagans believe, would it not? So would it not be a powerful delusion if this huge sign coming out of the heavens or whatever, okay, on their holy day, and then all of a sudden the day, this thing says, oh, this is to bring the unity with all people. I mean, it only makes sense. 
Now, am I saying it's going to happen that way? No, but I am very open to the understanding that there's going to be a powerful delusion to pull us away from truth into following the Antichrist. And what he's going to believe and stand for, we don't know. But I promise you one thing, he'll be opposing Torah. Bottom line. And so, um, I say all that because um, there's a lot happening. You know, I, I mentioned to you earlier how when we had that one video and how I realized it wasn't going to happen. Well, I told some friends this uh, three or four months ago, and even more so now. What we're seeing in the world today is was the stuff I would have was looking for back then. People don't understand the threat of ISIS. Okay. The Christian church as a whole has zero clue what ISIS represents. They claimed just two months ago that they say, we are the caliphate. Okay. Now, to the Christian world, they have zero clue what that means. The caliphate is the army of the is of Islam. Okay. The, the army that will bring in the caliphate leader, who is the Mahdi, who is the Antichrist. Okay. Islamic eschatology, their good guys are our bad guys. Our bad guys are their good guys. They're looking for a prophet who will come in and bring in the Mahdi, okay, to fight against, oh, what's his name, the job, which would be the great Satan, if you will, okay? Well, who are we waiting for? A false prophet who's going to usher in the Antichrist all up until the time of Yeshua, okay? So do you see the role reversal? And that's Islamic Antichrist, the uh, eschatology, and here you got biblical eschatology. It's like, bad guys, good guys are reversed here. And so, and the Islamic um, ISIS just, I'm going to say it was three or four weeks ago now, declared their base to be in Turkey. Huge, again. I mean, again, there's so much you can get into. All I'm asking you folks is don't, don't be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. Right. Time is short. We have got to get the good word out to the people. That is our, and having said all of that, did you know that um, nowhere in the scriptures are we commanded to look for the Antichrist? <laughs> You're not. We're commanded to look to Yeshua and look for His coming. I'm all about studying prophecy. I love it. I, and it's how I came to Torah. Okay, but if you get so dug, dug down deep into it, we forget what we're here for: is to shine the light. You know, we can be lost in theories and theologies forever, and we'll still not, we can debate stuff in here on end times, and we'll all walk out with no answers. Because we're all guessing. It's like I said earlier, we see the treetops, but that's all we see. We don't know what's at the base of those trees. It could be full of snakes, it could be little bears, it could be nothing here, all all fiery rose petals. We don't know. Okay? That's all we see. And we all have our different perspective of the treetops. As the time gets closer, and we look to who? Yeshua, and speed his coming. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So I guess in all this I'm asking, be mindful, but don't be so mindful that we're not looking to our Savior. You know what I'm saying? I'm, we're in this day and age where it's like, people are, are making lots of money on end time stuff. And it hacks me off. 
You know, I mean, it really bothers me. Everyone gets this new book. Oh, read this new book. Read the book. I mean, so you know what I'm saying? So I'm asking you, don't don't be so consumed with end times. It's good to know it. It's good. To, it's given to us to study it. But know our Savior more. It's a bestseller. It's a bestseller. It is, and it's sad, but that's what it is. But we need to know the Savior more than anything, and He will open our eyes in the right place. That's right. Hopefully that's helped. Okay. Thank you for staying with us so long. I'm impressed. I'm really impressed. Angela, come over here. Oh, we got one more question. One more question? One more. Over. Yes. Uh, Stephen, was pertaining to George. I can wait till uh, we pray. Okay, okay, sounds good. Okay. Here's Angela. You met her, I guess, I think. Yes. I would. My beautiful wife. I met her on one of his videos. Um, and then I called, and then they told me, no, they're not traveling. They're, they're not going to come, you know. And I said, okay. I told my wife. I said, you know, I called. They're not, they're not, they're not going to come. But we're going to go over there, and then we see, you know, what we can do. <laughs> so I went over there. And uh, I met them, and here they are. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Thank I you for really, us. really appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, we had a great time. Uh, we really, really appreciate. Uh, they got up for the last flight at two o'clock in the morning. You know, got the children out of bed. You know, had to be at the airport at four or something like that. I mean, it's tough, you know, and, and Angela did exceptionally well. Thank you. You're a good mom. You're really a good mom. And uh, we really had, uh, you know, it was stressful, you know, three weeks here and there. And they will fly out on Thursday morning. We will leave at 5 o'clock on Thursday morning. And Lord willing, they will be home maybe Thursday night, maybe Friday. Home, home. Home, home Friday. Friday. Probably Friday night, yeah. Yeah. you know. And uh, thank you very much again for all the work you did in my life, Steve. God has used you extensively for my children, for my friends. Um, you know, I I uh, I can refer people to 190 Ministries because I uh, agree with them 99.5 percent. You know, and um, uh, if I have a question, I can call and we can discuss and we get answers and um, incredible people, really incredible people. So uh, thank yeah. you again for coming. Uh, and doing all this for us. Uh, yes, ma'am. Um, we have to leave tomorrow morning, but I would just like to take this opportunity to thank you, George, and your family. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Hey, would you come? Please, over here. Come. Come on. <laughs> So, um, everything has to come to an end, and, and, and we're getting very, very close. Uh, I was asked, you don't have to leave, uh, April leave on uh, Sunday morning, you start winterizing the park on Sunday. So, uh, if you're in the cabin, you want to stay and hang around, that's fine, I don't have a problem with that. Um, but uh, the official part will close right here. Okay, uh, Steve will be around tomorrow, uh, they have to pack and uh, we will uh, enjoy them for a little bit more uh, and, then, uh, and then we will uh, bring them to the airport on, uh, on Thursday morning. So um, the best way to close something like this is a prayer. Um, 
So let's pray together and Father in heaven, we come before you tonight. Creator of heaven and earth. Almighty God, you have uh, called us uh, to celebrate the feasts and uh, here we are. We are thankful that you have given us so much love and so much uh, people, your people, who love your law and who love your will. And we want to love you by being obedient to you. And you have given us uh, teachers and preachers and pastors and Steve and his wife and uh, the children for helping us along the way. Lord, we praise your holy name for them. We want to pray for them that you will bless them in the ministry, that you will take care of them, that you prick um, our hearts when we can help, um, then uh, that we pray for them, that we don't forget them, that we just don't walk out and, uh, and, and that's it, and they go back and Steve goes back in the studio and works hard on these teachings and uh, tries to get every week a teaching out to us, but that we, we keep them in prayer in front of your throne. That, uh, that they can deal with all the, uh, the things they have to deal with in this ministry. Thank you again for giving us the privilege to have them and giving, out, giving us all the means we needed to, uh, to do that. And thank you. Help us to uh, be prepared for the last days. Help us to uh, keep our focus on you, on your word, on your will, and... Uh, I realized it wasn't easy for the children of Israel uh, walking through the desert uh, 120 degrees Fahrenheit, no water, help us that we don't rebel, don't murmur, that we just pray and, and seek you and, and that we can see how wonderful uh, it is to trust in you. Thank you very much Lord. We love you, we praise you, we want to be obedient, help us in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, uh, Yeshua, I just desire to just fall before you and just thank you for the work that you have done. And just, just desiring for that you would receive the glory that you deserve. That your children would just, your brothers and sisters would just come after you. That we would take up our crosses. That we would follow you. For I, I desire nothing but to see you receive the glory that you deserve. And Lord, I just, I just fall into your hands knowing that you will do with us what is righteous. Regardless of what that is, Lord, I ask nothing but that you would continue to draw men to yourself. That you would purge us of sin and unrighteousness. You continue to drive the world from us. Lord, just be glorified. Continue to reveal your words. Just make us one as you are one. Lord, it's such a blessing to be here. I just thank you for this time we have. Amen. It is because of you 
our generous supporters who make it possible to offer these high-quality teachings completely free of charge. If you feel led to support 119 Ministries so that we can continue this effort, please visit testeverything.net and click on the Support 119 tab. Learn how you can partner with us to take the whole Word of God to the nations.